The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. I'm Brian Toporek, and joining me, as always, are Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, guys? Doing well, Bri. How about you? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, well, as you might expect, I am jubilant. I am joyful. I am just ecstatic because... My Philadelphia Sixers won the lottery! (laughs) Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Three years. Three years, 199 regular season losses. Having to watch Jaleel Okafor play basketball for 82 games. It was all worth it. Because now the Sixers are number one. They have a choice between Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram. The rest of the lottery held to form. Lakers were two. Celtics were three. No major surprises. Guys... I honestly did not spend that much time on the Simmons versus Ingram debate before the lottery because I wanted to just get a top two pick before worrying about it. So I want to hear from both of you. If you were the Sixers, who would you choose at this very moment? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't go on and on for about 30 minutes. I was about ready to go make a drink and ask Sarah if she wanted one. Oh, like, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, it's, it's coming. All right, fine. Just give me a heads up. I, 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 I'm thinking Ingram. Um, I, like, I like Brandon Ingram. That being said, I don't think you can go wrong with either. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, like, we should just let people know, before we, or we shot this podcast, we were actually, uh, Brian and I were doing a guest spot on the Almighty Prophet podcast and in there we were talking about yes sort of the same lines in regards to ingram versus simmons and you made the point that because philly is a team in this rebuilding process 
it doesn't even it doesn't really matter that you need to build around Ben Simmons because you're you're ready to do that. It's like if for any other team they might not be willing to like re up their whole entire roster and just do something else just to satisfy Ben Simmons. But you're in that exact position to actually get a guy in there whom whom you can build around. So that's why he's actually a pretty good pick for you if you choose to go that way. So I, I kinda like him from Philly, but I still like Ingram a little bit more. Sarah, what about you? Do you have any perspective on this? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I was telling Morton earlier, we have to preface it by saying, you know, I've just been trying to catch up on YouTube videos. I do not watch a lot of college <laughs> ball, so uh, no one would want me to make this decision for their team. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I've gone back and forth all morning. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of with Morton that I, I want to lean towards the better shooter. But Simmons also has so many things that can't you can't teach. You know, his passing really impresses me. Obviously, he's got a great body. Uh, he's got a great handle. Uh, he's got the, the right size, the right build. And I just, <laughs> it's so hard. I, I guess it would depend if they believe that they can teach him to shoot. Obviously, Kawhi learned how to shoot. Um but he also, beyond having a great teacher, he had that drive to put in all of the time to become a really good shooter. Uh, so that would be my biggest question if I'm the Sixers. Do we think we can teach him how to shoot? But I don't know. I think I'm leaning towards Ingram as well. It might be the bias that, uh, like, small forward turned our franchise around. <laughs> that <laughs> right. might be it. Plus, y'all have a yeah. lot of bigs, so you yeah. might want to go Ingram. Right. If, if Ben Simmons is going to be Kawhi Leonard... You know, Brian should be having a larger smile on his, his face right now. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny you guys bring that up because ESPN's David Thorpe has a really good column today about Ben Simmons, and he even said uh, the knock on Simmons as a shooter is somewhat overrated. Let's not forget that another do-it-all type of NBA star was not a good shooter in college. In two seasons, Kawhi Leonard shot twenty-five, twenty point five percent, and twenty-nine point one percent from three yet is a career 39% shooter in the NBA. So... True. That's not a rule, though. That's yeah. one of the, right, the exceptions. Right. I was going to say, rule. Kawhi's a rare bird, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's possible. And, and I'm I'm still scarred from the Michael Carter-Williams era. Like, I'm, <laughs> I am drafting someone who can't shoot and being like, all right, that's your one swing skill. Like, if you could do that, you'll be a superstar. That does worry me a little bit, having gone through the MCW experiment. That said, right now, this is subject to change at least like 500 times between now and draft night. <laughs> oh, at a minimum. Oh, yeah. But right now, I am pretty firmly Team Simmons. Um, I, I mean, I totally get what you guys are saying about Ingram being the better shooter. It's like easier to see him working in the modern NBA. I just can't overlook how good of a passer Ben Simmons is. And I, I see the way that you know, people have compared him. Brett Brown even <laughs> brought up LeBron James and Magic Johnson as comparisons <laughs> to him in terms of his oh, passing. Oh, don't, don't do that, Right, Brett. right. And he was like, he's not that, that like, he's not guaranteed to be a top 15 all-time player, obviously. But having a big guy who can pass like that just contorts defenses in such weird ways, as we're seeing in Milwaukee with Giannis. You know, Giannis also can't shoot worth a lick, but 
Like, look at what he did. Like, look at how he transformed Milwaukee's really disappointing season once they put him at the point guard. So, Morton, you said it. Like, the Sixers are at a point right now where they don't have... They have a bunch of lottery picks. They have Nerlens Noel. They have Jaleel Okafor. They have Dario Saric coming over, presumably this summer. Joel Embiid is set to make his debut this fall. Embiid's the only guy who... I'm at least semi-confident, as long as he stays healthy, is a franchise building block. Like, the other guys, I'm not planning my future around Jaleel Okafor. Like, if anything, I, <laughs> I think... I think You only try to trade him every yeah, podcast, so... I really yeah. do. But this time, it's for real. Because, like, him, Simmons and Okafor cannot work together. Like, they right. are just so... They're oil and water on both ends of the floor. Like, Okafor and Noel even struggle together. But Simmons, like, you need the ball in his hands as a point forward. You can't, you're not going to waste his talent by having, like, a low post kind of plotting, struggling on defense, especially in pick and rolls. Like, you you can't do that. Like, Simmons and Noel would work fine together. Simmons and Embiid, I think, could be fantastic together. Simmons and Okafor would be terrible. And so... Part of the reason I'm Team Simmons, admittedly, is because I think it just forces your hand, and I think you have to trade Okafor. But I... so you're building your draft choice on indirectly the trading of Jalil Okafor. <laughs> yes. That's, so you're choosing your franchise player based on the merits that you want to trade Jalil Okafor. In part, yes. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. No, right. I, I think I, I'll I'll I'll, but I'll set your mind at ease though. Okay. Because here's the thing about Ben Simmons that go goes heavily overlooked mm -hmm. we all know that players in college it, they are not as inclined to get a high volume of free throw attempts as nba players yeah all right ben simmons averaged nine free throw attempts per game in college as a freshman that's insane meaning he he got the calls right because he forced the ref's hand he right. knows how to get to the, the line basically mm -hmm. that's a terrific skill in its own right and it could help offset the maybe lack of shooting yeah so he could still remain an efficient scorer by getting to the line he may not be able to stretch but if he can get to the line like eight nine times a game and hit it at those 67 maybe or 60 yeah 67 68 maybe even 70 percent then he's gonna be fine yeah so you know that there are definitely some arguments to be made for simmons and Maybe the biggest argument here is you can't really go wrong with either, can you? Right. Because if you go, yeah, because if you go with Ingram, like just just hold on to your hats for this one. Joel Embiid at center, Dario Saric at the four, yep. and then Brandon Ingram at the three. That's yep. a hell of a front line, and that's a jumpy one. That's a lengthy one. It's one that can shoot, penetrate, pass, not pass as well as any Ben Simmons lineup, but that's still very very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you nailed it. Like, you can't... Either one of these guys is going to be great. I think you can't really go wrong. Like, maybe one turns out to be a true Better. franchise. Yeah. yeah, right. But yeah. either way, you're going to get a really good player at the top of this draft. I think working also in Simmons' favor is the fact the Sixers not only don't have an established point guard, but don't have a point guard at all. Because Ish Smith is a free agent. <laughs> Yeah. And TJ McConnell is the only other one really left on the roster. So it's not That's like... That's why you're going to draft Chris Dunn. 
Well, at number one, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> we get, need basketball players. Oh no, if we, oh no, 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 no. We'll get there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Simmons, it works in his favor that he's not displacing like you know you're not putting him on a roster with Russell Westbrook or with Chris Paul or with Kyrie. Like he can be the primary ball handler, playmaker, whatever from day yeah. one, and that enables you to go out either later in the draft or in free agency and target some non-conventional point guards, some guys who don't necessarily need to have the ball in their hands. They're more like 3 and D guys, but they're at the point. So, sort of like prime Dirk Fisher next to Kobe. Yeah, yeah. Like this, the spot-up point guard. Right, or like yeah. Patrick Beverly if he could shoot a little better. Yeah, but like that, right, yeah. That just enables your – you have to build around Simmons, whereas Ingram can just – you said it more, and you, like, you can just picture him sliding in more easily but i think the sixers are at the point where they can they they can still build around this guy and i'd rather, yeah. much rather see them build their identity around ben simmons than i would jaleel okafor so again that's that's going to change guaranteed at least 50 times between the draft like i've already wavered and gone back to ingram a little bit but one other thing i do want to bring up is that so the one of the big concerns about simmons is you know, his perceived attitude problems or like he, his body language wasn't great. He quote unquote quit on his LSU team, which was a trash team. Um, <laughs> actually two points on that one, uh, Derek Bodner, who writes, writes for Philly mag. He does some draft stuff for USA today. He's brought it up that LSU lost their best shooter to an injury early in the year. So that LSU team might not have been as garbage. That guy didn't get hurt and Simmons might've, you might have even seen a better Ben Simmons with a shooter next to him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the bigger point I want to make, though, is Brett Brown has known Ben Simmons' father since, like for decades. Like He coached yeah. Simmons' dad while he was the coach of the Melbourne Tigers. So he says he's known uh-huh. Ben Simmons since birth. Like If any organization is going to be able to vet the concerns, the off-court concerns about Ben Simmons, it is the Sixers, thanks to Brett Brown. We also, yeah. uh, I believe our director of sports science or whatever fancy title he has, David T. Martin, he came over from the Australian Institute of Sport. I don't know how much he's worked with Ben Simmons, if at all, but I just think having people who are familiar with Australian culture would help ease the acclimation from college to the NBA. Because it's, you know, it's not easy coming over halfway across the world leaving your family to go play professional basketball. So I, I think having Brown, having Martin, that really gives me a sense of comfort that I wouldn't necessarily otherwise have. My God, man, your eyes are like so large right now. They, you, you're t- you are sparkling. You're glowing. I really you, am. You look like a you look like a, a pregnant woman in her third trimester right now. You just you're beautiful <laughs> right now, Brian. Look I, I'm gonna end this by noting this is how david thorpe ended his ben simmons ceiling column quote that puts his ceiling as a perennial all-star a max salary player and if he learns how to be a better primary scorer a recurrent mvp candidate so there's that that guy (laughs) that guy could be on my team in a month so you're damn right i'm glowing it's about time This is almost cute. Yeah. No, you know what? Scratch that. This is cute. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. 
It is funny uh, that you mentioned how large his eyes were, because I was going to say, he looks like, what are those those cartoons with the giant, like, doe oh, puppy yeah. eyes? That's yeah, exactly that, that, what he looks like right the, now. The Asian cartoons, yeah, the yes. Japanese cartoons. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We need I'm, a screenshot. I'm guilty as charged. All right. I, oh, yeah, you, you haven't stopped smiling in the four hours that we've we've talked yeah. since prior to shooting. So that's no. that's fantastic. <laughs> it's not going to get used to this. This is the next month until I find out we traded it for like. Yeah, as you said, Chris Dunn, we're going to we really heated up on Chris Dunn. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to happen, though, because of Red Brown. I think yeah. I think Simmons is going to be the selection for mm-hmm. Philly because of uh, yeah. the connection. Uh, I, I I just I still think Ingram is is the guy who carries more potential in terms of his raw scoring ability. Like if he becomes, the, I, I I don't think he's Kevin Durant. Let me just right. start off by saying right. that I don't think he's Kevin Durant. But if he one day was to become that sort of player, like he's young, yeah. he could yeah, theoretically re- reach that level. A year younger than Ben Simmons, which is a yeah a, a working in his favor. Yeah, it is. I mean that that would be, at least be very interesting, but yeah, I no, I agree. I think Ben Simmons is going to be selected first, and that means the Lakers of all teams are going to get one hell of a player at, at number two. Yeah. I think there was there wasn't rumblings about Simmons put maybe wanting to force his way to Los Angeles, but I'm thinking with Brett Brown there, right? That's probably not gonna happen. Yeah, I think that was. I want to say Nick. Dave Podesta from the Vertical had that report earlier in the week before the lottery came out. Happened, he had a report come out that said um, Simmons was waiting to finalize his shoe deal until after the lottery. He wanted to go to LA because he thought it would force, I think it was Nike's hand to make them raise their um, their yeah. price a little bit. I I think that's overblown. I mean, I I think yeah, as you said, like maybe he just didn't want to go to like phoenix or boston or somewhere but because he's got the relationship with brett brown i think i don't know what what kid's gonna turn down being the number one overall pick because he wants a little more money on his shoe deal like he's gonna make most of that difference up on his contract itself so i'm not yeah and the difference was two and a half mil right it was like like 10 million from adidas and seven and a half from nike and he wanted like to up the nike thing just just an aside right here's a kid who is uh, yeah 19 years old and he's sort of waffling at an offer for seven and a half million dollars. That yeah. just makes me upset. I understand <laughs> the marketability and all that, but oh man, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I, I would never have that problem. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would be very pleased to have the problem where seven and a half million is enough. Right, I think you touched on it. The Lakers, whoever, especially if the Sixers take Simmons number one, and for what it's worth. Leisure Reports' Kevin Ding had a report the day after the lottery saying they were leaning heavily towards Simmons at one, which would be Ingram at two. The Lakers would be really fun with Russell, Clarkson, Ingram, and Julius Randle. And then Luke Walton as the coach. Like, how how much more fun are they going to be than whatever we were forced to watch this past year? Oh, so fun. And here's the thing. If they get Ingram, right? You know what? Scratch that. Regardless of who they get, even if it's Simmons or Ingram, right now they're actually a more attractive free agent destination. For sure. Had they landed at three and chosen like Dragon Bender or Jalen Brown or whoever, yeah. that, that would have been less attractive. But right now they have a chance at being very active in free agency. I'm not, they're not going to get Kevin Durant. 
they're not gonna get like Mike Conley, but they could potentially get like a, a youngster, maybe Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do wonder. And there were reports that Demar Derozan wanted to go there. I wonder how that, how Ingram affects that, because they yeah. play, they play the don't, same position, right? Like you're don't not... don't do it, LA, because you know. I mean, yeah, I like the twenty three points a game as well, but I don't like the lack of shooting. Yeah. Don't 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 do it. But yeah, or maybe of course they're gonna do it. Yeah, maybe they sign Demar for their starting two and move Clarkson to the bench. I mean, I I, I guess I don't totally hate that, but. I don't know. And then you trade Jaleel Okafor for Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> well, now that we get to the trade Jaleel Okafor section of the podcast, I am... Again? Yeah. Oh, always. <laughs> always. I think you brought it up. The, the, the top two clear winners, because you get Simmons or Ingram. The Celtics, though, they fall to three. And yeah. aside from Dragon Bender, the other top three prospects in that range, Buddy Heald, Chris Dunn, and Jamal Murray, are all guards. Boston's pretty set in that regard when it comes to Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart. They've picked up, you know, James Young, RJ Hunter, Terry Roger. Like, they have a buttload of young guards, so they don't really need guards. If they're not in love with Bender, what do you think they do? Well, I live by the theory that you never draft for need, though. Okay. You need to get the best player available, and then you make follow-up moves. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I think Jamal Murray is able to separate himself significantly from R.J. Hunter, Terry Rozier, uh, J, uh, James Young. I mean, th- those guys are decent prospects. For sure. But I don't, I don't think they're Jamal Murray, uh, Jamal Murray prospects. So if if they have a chance for him, I w- I would go with him. But preferably, I would want Boston to trade the pick. I I think they need to cash in. I wrote an article about this on. Uh, today's fast break a couple of weeks back i think boston needs to go all in this summer they need to cash their chips and they need to get established players in there like i i've, I've mentioned both boogie jimmy butler like guys like that they need to at least try to get those guys mm-hmm. if that doesn't work out which is a realistic scenario because yeah like we spoke about dave yeager being the coach of, of sacramento he's like the one coach who could re- reach boogie right and like, who represented the Bulls at the draft lottery? Yeah. Like Jimmy Butler. Like, okay, that kind of shows a little bit. And and the Bulls are maybe even considering hiring one of his trainers to be their new trainer. So it seems like they're going in the Jimmy Butler route, which is it, it's fine, but they're not going to go anywhere unless they do something else. And that's why he would have made sense in Boston because you could have gotten a high pick as well as their 16th pick, and then seen what turned up there. But yeah, yes. Yeah, so- so I'm holding out hope. Right around the de- trade deadline, it was rumored that the Celtics offered that Nets pick for Okafor. So now that it's at three, and now that they don't have a very obvious choice, I'm hoping those discussions <laughs> get rekindled, to say the least. I'm going to throw a couple trades out there. I want you guys to tell me if you do it or not. So first... Sarah, Okafor for three, straight up, yes or no? For you, obviously, but (laughs) (laughs) but I'm thinking no. Uh, For Boston, that's what you're saying? Yeah, for both sides. Nah, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. 
<laughs> Definitely I, on board with that, Sarah. Uh-oh. Yikes. I think I think us Sixers fans have been wildly overvaluing Julio Okafor then because <laughs> a lot of us have been saying, like, gun to my head, if Danny Ainge comes to Brian Colangelo and says, this is my one and only offer, we do the pick straight up, like, I probably say yes, and then I take Jamal Murray. But, like, ideally, I try to extract a little sweetener in there. So either, like, <laughs> throw in the number 24 pick and have them throw in number 16, or... Oh, Brian, you're delusional, little bastard. Or, what happened? Or get, like, number... Well, you do Oka 4 and 24 for, like, 3 and Avery Bradley, that kind of thing. Dude, don't get greedy. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, no. okay, we are... We, this, this thought experiment ended. I, I'm not smiling anymore because... <laughs> we, Number one went to his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really did. Okay, Sixers fan out there, who, especially those who communicate with Brian, like, no, no. Jalil Okafor is a weak rebounder. He's a non-defender. He does, he can't shoot. Fair enough, he's got a nice post game. He's got some potential. But give me a break, though. He, like, squeezing out more than number three for him? No. If he no. if he was in this draft class, where do you think he goes? That's a tough one because you know, if he, then he would have been a a sophomore and you know how colleges uh, college uh prospects tend to be evaluated after the second year. Yeah. You focus more on their faults than their strengths. Right. So so he would probably be like the fourth or fifth pick. Like I I think he could even drop a little bit further. See, I th- a little bit. I think he would clearly be number 3. Even with the lag of defense, though? Yeah, because, see, I mean, I've been as guilty as anyone as overblowing this. He's not terrible as a one-on-one post defender. It's just in pick and rolls, which is, like, a a huge problem. Yeah, that's fair. Like, as N.S. Cantor has proven, like, that is an enormous problem that limits your ceiling significantly. But, like, the dude averaged, what, 17-7 and as a rookie? On a team with, like, now no point guard for half the year like you can't and on a team that won 10 games right yeah but like i think he would have more value not in philly like he he could still be a very good nba player and especially given boston's dearth of big men um you know they have sullinger's restricted this summer tyler zeller's restricted this summer amir johnson is not guaranteed so the only guaranteed big they have, I think, is Kelly Olynyk. So, you know, they need to address the front court. It just seems like a logical place, but you guys have really brought me down because Sixers Twitter since Tuesday has just been all... We've been throwing hypothetical Celtics scenarios out there. Um, all right. I, I think one of the things that's, that's, from my end, attached to this is also the potential, like, off-court issues. Okay. Yeah, like like the whole shebang there. That was pretty concerning. Oh, like and that, was, that fight yeah. was in Boston, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We... But but I get I get what you're saying. Boston does need bigs, right? And, and they're not guaranteed anyone in in free agency. But ah, uh, yeah, no. You know, if they get desperate and if they don't like Dragon Bender, mm-hmm. then yeah, I I could see them overpaying it. But I would still consider it an overpay. Yeah. I really, I really would. I mean, Jalil, I like his offensive game. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm hating on him a little bit too much. That I admit. But he, his rebounding struggles are real, mm-hmm. especially for a guy who's six eleven, two seventy. Yep. 
I mean, he doesn't rebound outside his area. I think for uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like he's he's not really good at contested rebounding as well. Yeah, I think I saw some of them. Yeah, he's just slow. He's like really slow-footed. Yeah. Exactly, which leads into the pick and roll defensive yeah. issues, and the fact that he can't shoot is another problem. And in in this new era where the shooting is a necessity, I find it worrisome. But Hell, you, you know what? You might get lucky. Let me ask you this, though. Let's say Danny Ainge does do the trade. Yeah. Who do you take at three? I think I do Jamal Murray. Well, it, de- yeah, it right? depends. I mean, if you take Ingram number one, you probably take Chris Dunn because you need a point guard. But Chris Dunn and Ben Simmons don't seem to work well together. So I think you do Simmons, Murray, or you do Ingram. Yeah, yeah definitely Murray with Simmons. Yeah. Absolutely, I wouldn't take Dunn there. Yeah. Simply, he's not a shooter. Right. Uh, well, you know, he shot thirty-seven percent last year, but that was college. Yeah, I, I would agree with that pairing. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will have plenty more Sixers <laughs> draft discussion in the weeks to come. Hopefully. Wait, I have one question though. Okay. Bulls call you up. No. Butler, Butler for, for first. <laughs> no. 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 Okay. No. Because I, I mean, I love Jimmy. But you've said it. Like, he's not on the timeline of a developmental team. Yeah. So no, I had a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they fell to three and they were, like, three for Jimmy straight up, I would. If they – I mean, they couldn't fall past four. But if they, like, somehow trade down and offered Okafor and, like, number eight for Jimmy, I would say yes. But, no, not number one. I think Ben Simmons – I mean, you hope that he p- can become – as impactful as a player as Jimmy Butler, but I I mean, I would think his ceiling is just as high, if not higher. So Do you then do it if you're number two? Like Los Angeles, do you do that trade if you're LA? Like number two for for, for Butler? Because and, and here you have to remember like in LA they are all about the stars. Yeah. I mean if they, it's they, if if Simmons goes one, you're basically trading Butler for Ingram. And aren't correct. aren't you just hoping that Ingram becomes what Butler is? So I am hoping that he becomes better than that, but the, what I'm really buying is time. Yeah, yeah, I would probably, I would probably do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think LA would, because I think they're gonna want to hype the team as like this young team with you know Ingram and Russell and Clarkson and Randall. But I could also see. Well, no, now now Jimmy is Hollywood as hell, so maybe he would like that. X. He is Hollywood as hell, and here's the thing: Los Angeles, they are interested in being a free agent player. Yeah. In the summer, so who do, who helps more in that regard, Jimmy or Brandon Ingram? Yeah, Jimmy definitely would. Then you can get exactly get like Hassan so, Whiteside, and you've got a pretty damn good starting five. That that's yeah exactly. So that that's why I'm kind of thinking that could be a possible scenario out there. Then you would have Whiteside, Randall, Jimmy, Clarkson. And and Russell. Yeah, with Nick Young. That's not bad. Nick Young is your sixth man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we, we will talk a lot more draft in the weeks to come. We're going to have James Holis, also known as Snotty Drippin', on the podcast soon, so we will throw some hypothetical Celtics trades at him. Morton and I will compete for his number three pick. In the meantime, <laughs> let's turn our attention to the Western Conference Finals, which are tied at one game apiece. OKC took game one before the Warriors came roaring back and just wiped the floor with them in game two. 
I wrote a piece at bballbreakdown.com about Stephen Adams just being a he's a freak of nature, man. He is so good. I mean, Sarah can vouch for this having watched him <laughs> annihilate her Spurs. Um, yep. I mean, I think he got hurt in game two, but he came back. Festus is the only basically sat on his back uh, coming down from a rebound. But you got to hope he's healthy for the remainder of the series. I do have some concerns, and I want to hear what you guys have to think about OKC's other big men and how they're matching up against the Warriors. Sarah, let's start with you. I was just thinking when you you had to bring that back up. I told you guys it didn't hurt, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I went I went off into space for a minute there. So I was thinking <laughs> Stephen Adams is the first guy to finally make Tim Duncan look old. Yeah, and I really did not enjoy that. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm really back. Sorry. I'm back from the dark side. It's okay. Um. Sorry, okay, you asked about their other big guys. Well, we've been concerned about that all playoffs long. Somehow the Spurs didn't... Oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, the Spurs weren't able to exploit that, but the Warriors will be able to. Uh, I'm to the point where I'm going to give Oklahoma some credit now. I don't think they're going to go away, and I'll be very disappointed if they go down without a fight here, but... I. We all picked the Warriors, right? Morton yep. picked them to sweep. Sure did. Uh, Brian, you picked them in five. I picked them in six. So I was, Damn you, I was Brian. being nice. Yeah. So uh, this is what we expected. Uh, it's for the Warriors to get rolling, and I think they're going to continue to roll. But yeah. We'll see. Morton, what yeah. about you? Oh, they looked real good in game two. Yeah. They looked real good. Uh, in regards to the bigs, I mean – I don't think we need to rehash it because we know what Ennis Kander can and can't do. Mm-hmm. We know Steven Adams is really evolving right now. He's having a breakout playoff performance, and next year he's going to be a heavy topic among the league. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, when you have Draymond, then you just have, like, this key that unlocks everything mm. i have i have tremendous faith in, in draymond green and the fact that he can provide so many different looks for oklahoma city like he can initiate the offense from on top of the key from the post he can defend his ass off he rebounds he pushes the ball he shoots i mean come on like when he's on he's on and that's not even mentioning steph yeah like when, when steph just went eight the other night like what can you do outside of just stand there and go well, game over, I guess. I mean, what do you do as the opponent? Like, how do you respond to, like, three triples being canned on your throat and then be a follow-up by Dre, who makes, like, a defensive stop and then pushes the ball, passes it up to a dunk? Like, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? I mean, that's the thing with the Warriors. Is you can play them so well, and, like, you can play them tight, and then all it takes is, like, one momentary lapse in focus and they're up 10 points. Like, OKC was close in the first half. Like... I think with two minutes left, they had what is a forty-seven, forty-six lead, something like that. And then yeah. the Warriors went on a, a late run, and then kind of just carried that momentum over into the third. Yeah, I mean it's OKC just has to be so defensively sound for all forty-eight minutes, and they proved capable of that in Game One. But when Adams got banged up in Game Two, 
it did change the tenor of those matchups just enough to give Golden State the advantage. So that's luckily there's a three day break between games two and three. Game two yeah. was Wednesday, right? And then game three is not till Sunday. So he's got a little more time than usual to get right again. But I just have to hope for OKC's sake that he is healthy because yeah, I mean you you, you know they really did not take advantage of Cantor enough in game one. And it looked like Steve Kerr spent two days of film just pointing out, hey guys, when Ennis Cantor's on the floor, yeah. go at him every single time. Like, every single time. Make him unplayable. And the same thing happened with Andre Robertson on offense. Like, I, they put Dre on Robertson, and they're just letting him cheat off to, mm-hmm. like, really stifle any sort of attack in the paint so golden state made some great adjustments in game two i'm interested to see what okc does to respond in game three i mean russ was not great in game two um oh that was bad russ yeah yeah so we'll we'll have to see what happens there do you guys want to give an updated prediction on the series Morton, now that warriors and four is not <laughs> not quite possible. i want to I want to, but before before I do that, I just want to ask Sarah something here because in 2014 in the NBA Finals, when mm-hmm. the Spurs in the, during the last three games just dominated Miami, it, I noticed a pattern, which was they just had to make like one bang bang play to get going. They didn't need like Oklahoma City needs two or three to really get going, and then they just put the lid off. Uh, like San Antonio only needed one to spur a run pun intended (laughs) and it seems like golden state is echoing that right now it seems like they only need like one high profile three-pointer from steph and then they're off to the races do you see any similarities in those two or am i overrating uh the dubs a little bit comparing them to the great 2014 (laughs) performance of the spurs so definitely not i mean i think who's it jesse uh from b-ball breakdown he often uses the uh, like a Pokemon <laughs> comparison. And he talks about like the stages of evolution, and so I've thought for a while like for for the Dubs like you would start out with the seven seconds or less Suns, and then you evolve into the 2014 Spurs, and now your highest form is these Warriors. I think. They, it's exactly they move the ball and like you said that I mean, that's how they play um it takes a second i think brian mentioned he went he went to walk his dog like it was a close game and he comes yeah. back and the warriors just blew the the doors off yeah. that's what they do it, it happens quickly and you're done <laughs> like you said a step three or or Draymond makes a nice pass or Iguodala throws this crazy layup, you know, okay. off the glass. Yeah. That's that's all they need and then they're off. And good luck trying to slow it down. It's interesting to see that they've evolved to this place where they are basically unstoppable when they hit their strides, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think they are gonna keep winning. So I don't foresee I'm gonna stick to well at least to the closest thing i can get i'm gonna say dubs in five i'm gonna i'm I'm, you know what 
screw it. I'm going to stick with it all the way through. I'm just, I'm, if, if Oklahoma City takes another game, I'm going to say that's the final one. I believe this, <laughs> this Warriors team is just capable of running off so many wild plays that they're going to, at some point, find a rhythm that's dominant, downright dominant. I think they're going to carry it into the finals against the Cavs, and I think they're going to kick their butts, even though I like the Cavs right now. Sarah, what about you? Sticking with Warriors and Six? Yeah, I'm going to just stay Warriors and Six. I like it. Yeah. I oh, I want to stay Warriors and Five. No, don't leave the, <laughs> don't leave the boat line. I, because I swear to God, I'll pull you down with me, dude. <laughs> I'll stick with it. I was confident in the lottery. I'm confident here. Warriors and Five. Uh, that was fear speaking right yeah, there. It totally was. Martin, <laughs> as you mentioned, whoever comes out of this series... Has a date with the Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. And I can say that confidently, even though we're only two games through the Eastern Conference Finals, because the Cavs have just been annihilating the Raptors. It's not it's not even a series. Like I would ask what the Raptors could do to adjust and maybe turn it into a series, but I actually have an answer. Do you? For that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All yours. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry has to physically become Stephen Curry. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's like number one. Right. Yeah, Jonas Valanciunas has to become prime Hakeem. Yep. First, yep. he has to get back on the floor, and then become yeah, yeah, and then become prime Hakeem. Right. And Demar Derozan has to become a forty-five percent three-point shooter, oh, like overnight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so barring all Easy. of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outside of that, no, they're screwed. Yeah, they're screwed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Raptors. Doesn't. Yeah, it's it's not fun being killed all over again. No. Should have. Yeah, I was well, going to say, take a trip to Lourdes. Yeah. Visit the, the grotto. Dip yourselves in the water. It could it could work. That's true. Yeah. We can, we'll can. We'll do our official eulogy of the Raptors next time around because <laughs> I'm pretty confident they will be done by then. Um, just, just speaking about, just one final note on the Raptors, right? Yeah. Kyle Lowry apparently invited Tyronn yes. Lue over to watch the Dubs Thunder game. Like, okay. I'm not one of those guys who complain and bitch every single day about the league being too buddy buddy, but this, yeah, this is a clear, clear case of the league or not the league, but of a situation that is just way too buddy buddy. Yeah, what the hell are you doing, Kyle? <laughs> Inviting your the opposing coach to like for for a game date? Like, what what are you doing, Kyle? That was weird. That was a weird story, and then him taking himself off of the bench at the end of the first half yesterday, like going back to the locker room with two minutes left with the Cavs go on. I think it was a 16 to two run 12 to two of which came with him in the locker room. And he needed to decompress. Yeah, like what is up with Kyle right it's now? It's been a weird, weird Kyle Lowry series, but he has been really, I mean, he's been so hot and cold these playoffs and we could reasonably expect him to be cold in this series, but he's, he's living up to those expectations. I do want to give a quick shout out to CBS Sports Ken Berger. He had a really interesting column on the impact that Tyron Lue has had. Uh, basically, it just said David Blatt. You know, they were thirty and eleven under him, but they weren't enjoying the way they were playing, and Blatt wasn't necessarily holding LeBron James accountable. And so Berger relayed an an anecdote where, at one point in a huddle. Uh, he basically LeBron was trying to take over the huddle, and Lou basically just said, "Shut the f up, LeBron. Like, I'm the coach." <laughs> so I, 
props to Tyron Lue because, I mean... Oh, it only took someone 13 years. Yeah, well, yeah. Coach Spo put him in line for a little bit too. But. All right, you know that's that's fair. Yeah. You know, then 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 nine years because in, in during LeBron's first stint in Cleveland, he just had carte blanche. Yeah, like, oh he, for sure, he could do whatever he wanted, and Mike Brown didn't say anything, and it was just, oh, LeBron's little own boy club there right there. It was just horrible. Yeah, and, and I'm glad to see someone step up in Cleveland and say, LeBron, shut yo something and sit down yeah it's i mean yeah so my question about the Cavs now it's been circulating on twitter the past couple days they can only play the teams that they're given right like so we can't bash them for being 10 and 0 we can you know they could be 10 and 0 and be squeaking out games like the fact that they're dominating to this extent i think is impressive regardless of the level Mm -hmm. of competition do you guys think they are favorites to win it all right now like Vegas odds or just in like if you had to pick a title a champion today oh no I, I I have the dubs I still have the dubs but I mean that's not taking anything away from Cleveland they've been so impressive and they have been playing leaps and bounds better than they did in the regular season mm-hmm. so I, I I mean yeah people complain about bad uh competition but that's just a load of crap they're, they're. I mean, yeah, okay. It's not the best teams, but they're as, as you said, they're doing what's expected of them with weak competition. They're blowing them out, right? Like thoroughly, twenty five threes in a playoff game. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, I mean that that doesn't come by accident. I mean, they're playing great basketball, and you made a point on the podcast that we visited uh, the Almighty Prophet that. We had to throw out everything we know about last year's series between cleveland and golden state i think you're right about that now that doesn't change my prediction mm-hmm. that that the dubs are going to win it again but i do think it's going to be a whole new identity to that series yeah that the the point i made there was you know Kyrie played one game and got hurt in overtime kevin love was out that whole series basically jr smith was your number two option and if you're counting on jr smith as your number two option especially against golden state you are totally boned but even still Cleveland was up 2-1 in that series, so it wasn't as resounding a blowout as we seem to remember a year later. So, uh, Sarah, what do you think? If you had to pick today, are you going to go Cavs, or do you go whoever comes out of the West? <laughs> See, that was the way that you phrased that there. <laughs> whoever comes out of the West. Uh, I mean, if it's the Thunder, it might be more of a toss-up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if yeah. if it's the Warriors, which we assume it will be, think it probably will be, then yeah, I, I can't go against the defending champs at this point. I, I do agree that what the Cavs are doing is impressive, uh, especially the way they're shooting is impressive in an empty gym, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah. who they're playing. Um, I think that they could maybe give the Warriors a better series, even though, like we said, last year's series went six games, but I don't know. I I can't go against the Warriors at this point. Uh, it's just it's just kind of sucks because I I like East and West, but it isn't fair that you know they do get to just kind of coast right to the finals every year. Yeah. Them them or whoever LeBron is playing for, but this, that's life. This isn't a bitter Spurs fan, everyone. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it is it's weird right i mean yeah. uh, don't worry 
Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will be there in a couple years too. Start <laughs> toughen coasting. it up. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. But but it's an interesting um, debate. Like, what if Oklahoma City met Cleveland? Like, let's just okay. Knock on wood, it's not going to happen. Let's just say <laughs> Golden State had some ha- have some injuries, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff happens, and OKC advances. Like, I am legitimately insecure about choosing any one of those two. Like, it could be either or. I would go Cleveland. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see them take it. I wouldn't yeah. be confident in that pick, but I would definitely pick Cleveland. <laughs> you wouldn't be confident, but you would definitely pick Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's, well, like, that's, I, that's good. I wouldn't know how many games. I would probably say Cavs in seven off the top of my head. Yeah, ha- definitely a seven-gamer. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it would be a good – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either way. Like if OKC won, I would not be shocked at all. I it's Just the – I really, you know, they, OKC has put it together more so than they did during the regular season, and their inconsistency, especially in the fourth quarter, hasn't come back to haunt them. So, like, maybe that was just a, a lack of focus in the regular season, and now that they're in the playoffs, it's a non-issue. But I just can't shake the feeling that it's going <laughs> to bite them in the ass at some point. They, they somehow dodged it against the Spurs, even though they were very lucky to do so at the end of Game 2. Um, but I just... You know, seems like the Cavs are playing so well. It would be hard to hard to pick against them against a team that isn't the Warriors. I just want to see yeah. Stephen Adams and Tristan Thompson like club the hell out of each other for oh, rebounds. That would be really <laughs> good. Yeah, that that's the battle of the glass would be. That would be a big. I mean, that's a big advantage for both of those teams. So, like, being yeah. able to negate that for each of them would be, oh, that would be so bloody. Someone would definitely get punched in the face in that series. <laughs> and you know Steven Adams would put LeBron on his ass at least twice. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. So, we'll keep an eye out to see who meets the Cavs in the finals. Sorry again, Toronto fans, but you are... <laughs> other. <laughs> yes, other. You are You are toast. We are going to switch over to our Where Amazing Happens segment because, once again, the coaching carousel is spinning. We've had two new hires, and it looks like Houston is honing in on their candidates, but we will touch on them once they actually hire someone. The big one... The Knicks did something right. Yeah, the big one was the Knicks hiring not Kurt Rambis. They actually hired... What the hell? The Knicks did something logical. It was shocking. They, They wound up wiring hiring Jeff Hornacek as uh, Bleacher Reports. Howard Beck was the first to report. What, like, what happened? What, I thought, I thought we were guaranteed to have I, I five know. years of Rambus. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. I want to do like a documentary about it. Like one of those <laughs> wild animals documentaries. Look at the the your New York front office grazing in the distance. Like they are sink, they are looking at their coaching candidates and oh, this is a surprise. We've never seen this before. They are thinking logically. They are they are attacking from all the right <laughs> angles. Yeah. And yeah, they ended up with a good coach. Right. Jeff Hornacek is the real deal. I know things went to hell in Phoenix, but I don't put that at his feet. He's a terrific offensive-minded guy. Yes, he needs defensive-minded assistant coaches, but so be it. I think he will run a hell of a system, and more importantly... 
this should mean the death of the triangle. That's yeah. not necessarily a good thing, but if for that specific roster, it is. Yeah. Um, in Beck's report, it says league sources indicate the Knicks under Hornacek will indeed move away from a pure triangle approach, but will retain triangle elements as Coach Nick. Oh, that's fine. As Coach Nick has talked about plenty i mean golden state has elements of it the spurs have elements mm. of it miami under lebron had elements of it the the source told beck that jackson just wants a system of play so that when he walks away when you look at the knicks you say okay i understand how the knicks play basketball seems reasonable <laughs> seems like a reasonable request oh that phil jackson hire went exactly like everyone thought it would go didn't it <laughs> yeah yeah well to his credit i mean it really sounded like rambus was the leading candidate for so long and then i mean we've talked about it in past podcasts that that would just be the absolute dumbest thing they could have done so mm. props to the knicks like i i agree that what happened in Phoenix isn't necessarily Hornacek. And in fact, like that, the team that he inherited was supposed to be awful. And then they surpassed expectations and won 48 games. And then they kind of reset the timeline based on their contention timeline, basically. So him falling short of expectations there was only because he so wildly uh, surpassed them the first year. So, yeah. That's a fair point. Um, I'm definitely curious to see what he does, what this means for Carmelo. I think we could officially say Christoph's Przingis at the three is <laughs> no longer an issue. Thank God. <sighs> yeah, that would have been awful, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, how how is that even an idea? I mean, in 2016, playing four on five basketball is an idea floating around. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> True. Uh, and the Magic hired after losing Scott Skiles, they hired a younger Scott Skiles. I know. Yes, they hired Frank Vogel, the former Indiana Pacers head coach, who Larry Bird, whose contract he did not renew for reasons that are still <laughs> unclear. So, Sarah, what do you think about the Magic under Frankie V? It's exciting for them, uh, especially since their last coach completely just jump ship um <laughs> i think you know they're getting a great coach out of it so that's cool i just hope that he isn't disenchanted the way that scott was uh, he obviously was pretty upset i guess we can survive from the trade especially that went down so hopefully everyone can be happy with each other and polo can do a good job down there morton how do you like the fit Love it. Love every single aspect of it. He's defensive-minded, which then continues the progress that, that Skiles made in making these guys, um, yeah, defensive-minded as well. So he, he can really build off what Skiles started. As to, so, so there's a level of continuity, yep. I think the word is. Um yeah, I, I I love Frank Vogel. I think he's a very clever defensive-minded coach. I think his offensive knowledge seemed to brighten a little bit as time went on. Mm -hmm. I don't think Indiana gave him the best players to work with. Yeah. And here in Orlando, you have Aaron Gordon, who I think can benefit greatly mm -hmm. from Vogel. Yeah. 
and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that coach-player relationship is going to pan out. Me too. That's the one I am most excited about. Oh, for sure. Because he... For sure. He, I mean, Skiles, even coming into his Orlando tenure, had the reputation of both not playing his younger guys all that much and being very inconsistent with his rotations. And he lived up to both of those things this year. <laughs> it took them to trade, trade Channing Fry before Aaron Gordon really got into the starting lineup and trade um, Tobias Harris as well. And then <laughs> even after Aaron Gordon got into the starting lineup, his minutes would just fluctuate so wildly. Like he would play 36 minutes one night and then 16 the next. Yeah. And Skiles would say something like, well, he's just learning how to play a back-to-back in the NBA. Like, <sighs> I, it's, I really think that Vogel will be good because he is so defensively minded. He's going to see what Aaron Gordon brings to the table, and he's just going to say, screw it. You're, you're playing 35 minutes a night. Like, I don't care what yeah. what boneheaded young rookie. I mean, he's going to be a third-year player, but like just young player mistakes that you make, I'm just going to let you run. And this is the year for Gordon to show what he can do. This is the third year. Yeah. It's always the third year, more or less. Like You have some guys who can break out during the fourth, but this is the year for Aaron Gordon. I'm going to be... I mean, it's... Yeah, his season almost just ended, but I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and call him like one of the pre-favorites to most improved next year. I, th- I think he could be one of those guys. That's a really good call. I really like that. Yeah, I think um, a lot's just going to depend on how they address their roster in the offseason. As we have made fun of so many times before, they traded Tobias Harris just to free up cap space. So you have to hope they do something productive with that. The one name that I'm now monitoring there, because Nick Vucevic is not exactly a defensive stopper at the five, but he mm-hmm. is on a very reasonable contract. So you can either move him or move him to the bench and make him like your NS Cantor. Dwight Howard, reportedly interested <laughs> in coming back to the Magic, according to Rick Buecher. Um, I forget what ESPN reporter confirmed that, but he uh, Howard's or Orlando is on Howard's shortlist apparently. Do you guys think he would make sense coming back there? Only if he has a Sports Illustrated article and says, I'm coming home. (laughs) (laughs) He has to do it. To tell you the truth, when you started saying you were about to float a name, I was sure you were going to say Jaleel Okafor again. (laughs) Because that's just always where I think you're going. If they want to trade Victor Oladipo for Jaleel Okafor, I am going to have this. Hey, actually, I... I don't know. I don't know if it would happen, but I think, hey, if they say that it's on Howard's shortlist, that actually is kind of interesting. That could be yeah. fun. Go back. That defense. That was, his, that was his best part of his career. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So he actually had an interview with ESPN's Jackie McMullen this week where he talked about a whole bunch of things that I thought were really interesting, but he talked about kind of the end of his magic tenure and he said the reason that he asked out is because he just didn't feel like they were committed to winning, which I thought was a little interesting because they had just been in the finals a couple of years ago. Yeah, that seems a bit weird. Yeah, but under Vogel, I mean, the dude's a three-time defensive player of the year. 
Vogel turned Roy Hibbert into a two-time All-Star, and I am a huge Roy Hibbert homer as a Georgetown alum, but, like, look at what happened to Roy Hibbert the last couple of years. Like, he had, his system seems to maximize defensive players, defensive rim protectors. I kind of, I, so I wrote a thing for bballbreakdown.com, um, two things about Dwight Howard, actually. One, just looking at what happened to him these past couple of years and whether he's just like permanently on the decline. My big conclusion is that I don't, I think his demise has definitely been overrated. Um, you know, offensively, he was the least productive he's been this year since like, I think his sophomore season. But you have to keep in mind, like since leaving Orlando, he's played with two of the most ball dominant guards in the league in Kobe Bryant and James Harden. And having watched some film of them trying to get the ball into the post, I mean, a lot of times they just ignore him, even though he had great post position. Or, I mean, Patrick Beverly just isn't a really strong passer or creative passer, I should say. So he, like, really struggled to run just a basic pick and roll with Howard. They only ran 91 uh, plays with him as the role man this season, where he finished the possession as a role man, which is absurd. Jeez. Like, he's, he's, that's where he should be making his offensive contribution. So, I did not have Orlando. I wrote another thing, uh, kind of just surveying his free agent uh, options, and it was like Atlanta if they lose out Horford, or Miami if they lose to Son Whiteside. Um, Boston, Dallas, and Portland were my top three for various reasons that we can touch on. Uh, but Orlando, I thought, because they had Vucevic, uh, that might preclude them from Howard. But now with Vogel, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued. Martin, <laughs> do you think, uh, could you see Dwight back in Orlando? Well, disregarding you know the, 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 the so-called beef that went down a couple of years ago and all the drama that would surround him going back to Orlando. Yeah, from from a basketball perspective, absolutely. As you touched upon, his defensive influence would immediately help them, would immediately propel them to become a playoff team. And I think he would even take a lot of pressure off Aaron Gordon so he could develop in his own time frame, mm-hmm. which is huge for any young player. Yep. Whether he can participate offensively is a different story. I'm not even sure where, in which club he would thrive offensively at this point. Mm-hmm. Similarly, because teams aren't going away from the dumb it down or mm-hmm. big man pick and roll basketball. I mean, and that's that's kind of a shame, really, because when Dwight was on his game in Orlando, when he was really offensive minded as well as winning Defensive Player of the Year. He was so effective when he rolled to the rim. Right. Like, you, you couldn't stop him at all. And it seems to me that he still, at least at times, still have the same bounce. Yeah. And and same quickness. So I, I, I've i really been wondering why they didn't try to emulate that just a little bit more in Houston. But, you know, the, the answer is and always will be James Harden here. Mm-hmm. He, he likes to dribble. He likes to just take shots and create something out of thin air. And that doesn't float with Dwight. Dwight. Victor Oladipo is very unselfish. Alfred Payton can't score, so he's by default unselfish. <laughs> um, so, so I think in that regard, he could get more shots there as well, which would satisfy mm-hmm. him. I'm not against it by any means. 
And if the trade-off is Nick Vucevic, yeah. I mean, I like Vooch, but damn. that, that he, he He's not in his candor-like, but at times he is. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing you brought up where he would thrive offensively now, I think it's got to be a spread pick-and-roll system where you've got a good pick-and-roll ball handler. You've got a couple of guys on the perimeter that can really knock down shots. That's why Portland was my number one for him, because I thought both Dame and CJ could really run the pick-and-roll well with him. Um, They would need to probably bring in one more shooter in free agency. Um, Same Boston, they don't necessarily have the shooters, but, I mean, a lot of the... Howard's defensive metrics from this past season were not great, but, like... When you're making up for James Harden and Jason Terry and Michael Beasley, that's just going to be the case. So Boston, at least you've got some guys. You know, you've got Avery Bradley, you have Marcus Smart, you have Jay Crowder, you have perimeter wing defenders that will uh, just, they won't leave him in such difficult situations. Like a lot of the stuff that I saw where he's credited with giving up a bucket is like someone blows by their wing defender and Howard was like guarding a big kind of out on the perimeter and had to recover quickly and just couldn't get there in time. And it goes against him, but it's really like the guy in front of him, technically his fault that that basket got scored. So that's, that's that's the one Boston, like that makes sense to me. Dallas. I just think, you know, assuming everyone comes back, Darren Williams, Chandler Parsons and Dirk, all three of those guys can shoot. Um, Wes Matthews can shoot. Like, that's that's an old lineup. I don't know that you're, like, super excited to be building around a bunch of 30-somethings and then Chandler Parsons, but uh, if that's the route you want to go, that team could at least stay relevant for another year or two. But Orlando, so I don't know if it works if you keep Peyton and Oladipo in the starting lineup, unless both one of them becomes a more reliable three-point shooter. But if you do Peyton, re-sign Evan Fournier, put Mario Hazonia at the three, Gordon at the four, and Howard at the five, and then you have Depot and Vucevic off the bench, like that, now I'm interested. Or maybe, I mean, there is at least speculation that Chandler Parsons might be interested in coming back or coming to Orlando because he played uh, college at Florida. You bring Chandler and Dwight, who played together in Houston. Like, then I need to stop making fun of the Magic. <laughs> so, I have, like, a hot take here. Okay. I think Victor Oladipo is going to be, like, the. You, you know how every year there's a guy who's traded that no one really saw coming? See, Tobias Harris. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, well, yeah, for example. I think Victor Oladipo is going to be the next one. For several reasons, uh, I don't think I think Orlando knows that they're not quite there yet, mm-hmm. and he's looking at an extension yep. this this fall, yep. and I'm not sure they're willing to invest a significant amount of money in him at this point, especially given that they're kind of in a state of flux. Yeah, and they tried him as a six man, and he last year he did not do well yeah. at, at all. No. So I think they're going to during the draft actually. Interesting. See see what they can get. Ooh, because they're they're eleventh in the draft. I want to say. 
Uh, I believe that is correct. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, let me just check. I believe they're, they're somewhere in the late lottery. I want to say 11th, but what do you think? That is 11th. That's a so you good think they would there. package Oladipo and 11 to move up, or would just flip Oladipo for some kind of some something else entirely? I could see them flip Oladipo for a, a pick in maybe the top five. Mm. If someone is willing to give that up, of course. Right. But maybe ship him off with the highest pick you could even get. I, I wouldn't hate it if New Orleans just offered six for Orlo Depot straight up. That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. I I, actually, I was actually looking at Minnesota at five. Mm. But, you know, if they have a chance... I, I think it depends because I, I, I they like Buddy Heal. That's the word at right. least. Personally, I think Jamal Murray makes sense yeah. for Minnesota. And if he's gone at five, which could very well be the scenario, right. then I think they wouldn't mind Oladipo. That's interesting. Yeah. we. I, I mean, I guess it, we'll just have to see kind of how the board plays out. But they will yeah. – Orlando should definitely have some contingency plans in place uh, based on who goes three, four, five. Because I think you might be on to something, Morton. That – yeah, I just, I, you know, they have Evan Fournier that they want to keep. And then, as you mentioned, Mario Hassania, right? Like, where where do you get the minutes right. for Oladipo? Yeah. That's a really good point. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us at the NBA podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. Be sure to check out all bballbreakdown.com for playoff coverage. We've had game recaps. We will have a finals preview. And we will start our draft coverage shortly as we need to find out who the Sixers need to take. Until the next time, I'm Brian Toporek. I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Thanks, as always, for joining me, guys. Likewise, Brian. Thank you. All right, take care. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There 
there's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.